you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. You've heard me talk about the opportunity in urgent care. So VetCheck believes in the power of your capacity to influence your patients, patient families, and be a leader in your community. How they do this is by giving you the freedom to take ownership of your future to make the biggest impact in your patients' lives. They equip you with a turnkey opportunity to take action on the dream through a unique pathway to owning your own VetCheck Pet Urgent Care Center franchise. They provide a solution to remove obstacles like competing against corporate dollars in the community that you want to be in and having access to hospital ownership, medical directorship, and more. Also, you become a partner along the journey. A vet check pet urgent care center franchise is the answer. If you're interested, check out episode number 80, where I talked to Dr. Siva and he shares more about his story and the opportunity. So if this sounds like something that's interesting, you reach out and learn how you can own your own vet check pet urgent care center franchise today by visiting vetcheckforpets.com, which again is vetcheckforpets.com. Welcome to the Veterinarian Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. And I wanted to dive into a topic. I know we're kind of in the middle of a investing series from a radio show perspective, but with different conversations that I've had recently, I felt like this is one that is going to be more applicable to most people out there. And it's all around kind of mortgages, home purchases, thinking about the future. And I wanted to just lay out what the kind of the state of the market looks like and try to provide some semblance of um, guidance around what I see and what's going on. And then again, everyone's gonna make their own decision, but I think the first thing that everyone needs to remember is A, a primary home is always gonna be a lifestyle choice. That's an expense, it is not an investment. And there's some really good research that shows, and again, I know right now when you see homes go up $100,000 year over year, you're like, hell yeah, it's an investment, Isaiah. Um, normally, and again, there can be short stints of time or periods of time where things happen and it does have, you know, value attributable to something like an investment. But in general, a primary home is going to basically give you a real return. So after inflation, after property taxes, after, you know, all the repairs and all the things that you're going to do around the house, you know, putting the mulch, doing the yard, all this stuff, right? It's going to give you less than what inflation historically has been. So it's going to give you something sub 2%. Now, if you bought a home in California in the 70s, yes, right? There are some structural reasons for why those things um, have worked historically. But where we're at today, when you purchase a home and you're thinking renting versus buying a house, it is a lifestyle decision, not an investment. So I know that isn't always the, the easiest thing to hear, but a lot of the advice and guidance that you've gotten from your parents or others that have told you, hey, you know, the home is the best investment decision we made, not really factual. Again, it is something lifestyle choice. I think there's a lot of reason and rationale. While home ownership is great, um, you're definitely going to treat something different that you're owning. And again, I'm, I'm saying even if you have a mortgage, yes, technically the bank owns it, but you have that ownership of the desire long term that you're going to own that home and be there longer term. I think that's a different mentality than the renting mentality. And one thing that I wanted to bring up and part of 
breaking down everything that's going on is one of the reasons why it's so freaking hard to buy a home, especially as a new homeowner or even someone that's looking to, to make a switch is that kind of zero to half a million dollars, which is the vast majority of, of where homes are in the United States. Again, outside of some really expensive areas around the country, you know, I'm looking at you, California, Austin, Texas, you know, Chicago, you know, big metro areas in New York as well. Like there's certain areas where homes are going to be significantly above that, but vast majority of the country that zero to half a million dollars is a huge area where the vast majority of people are going to live and own those type of homes. So what we're seeing is the, um, desire for hedge funds and investment management companies to come in and buy up those homes. So even an example here in Hamilton County, uh, outside of, you know, Indianapolis where I live and call home, the, um, men's group that I'm a part of, there's two guys, one's a mortgage, uh, like loan origina originator for home builder. The other is a engineer for, for home builder. And they had two different lots where all 70 plus homes were purchased from a hedge fund and they signed off on any material updates, you know, materials go up in price. That's fine. We'll pay for it. Labor costs. Yep. We'll pay for it Buy every single house. And they're going to turn around and rent them for significantly more than what the market can handle at the moment. And I have a major issue with that. And that's going on all over the country. That's not something that's just here in Indiana. I've heard about it for a couple of years, but it's wild to see it in the county that I live in, which again, you don't think about Indiana as like a hotbed, but there is certainly um, a lot of growing demand for finding ways to generate income or yield. And going back to the investment conversation that I had, bonds are not a place where you're able to earn a whole heck of a lot. So these, I'm going to use air quotes that you can't see, sophisticated investors are saying, well, shoot, people need somewhere to live. Let's buy up single family homes and let's make sure that we can charge you know, a healthy amount for rent. And that's how we can generate income for investors and see a re return on investment. The challenge is A, they're able to borrow money at ridiculously low rates and get it to where they can bid up the price. And it makes it almost impossible for any individual to compete with that because a lot of times these are cash offers, right? Because they're able to raise funds. They're able to borrow at super low rates and just say, yep, we'll pay cash. There's no you know, contingency on selling another home. There's no down payment risk. There's no, Hey, get this mortgage done. It is straight up. Here's the money we're done. And so to me as a home builder or, you know, the mortgage loan originator and these people, you're literally drinking the poison that's going to kill your business. Because if everything is owned by an investment company and everyone's a renter, I think that dramatically changes again, the structure of neighborhoods, structure of cities. And, and, and there's a lot of ramifications from that, that I am not pro, um, ownership of that. And I've had people criticize me and say that, well, you're not, that's capitalism. That's just the way it works. No, not really. Because it's kind of like this phony, like fake capitalism where unfair rules to those that can, can get the money quicker. And I just think there's certain areas that you just don't you certain things you just don't do. Again, I think owning homes in the way that they're doing that, um, is one of those, but again, I'll get off my soapbox on that. I just think that's part of the reason why you're seeing it to be really, really, really difficult if you're looking for a home and the prices just keep running away from you. And then, so people keep bidding them up, bidding them up, bidding them up. And then what you've seen is all of a sudden you're seeing the asset price of the home go up and now interest rates are going up. And so if you look at interest rates for a home, average 30 year mortgage rates in the U S historically, and you probably heard from your parents, well, what, when I bought my first home, it was 12%. And it's like, well, okay, well they could also get eight to 9% in a CD at the bank. So it's very, very different, but average 30 year, Mortgage rates in the United States, the 1970s, 8.9, 1980s, 12.7, 1990s, 8.1, 2000s, 
um, 2010s, 4.1, 2020s, 3.3. Today, as of June 20th, 5.94, and I've seen them north of 6%. And that is incredible. So if you think um, January 2021, 30-year mortgage rate, 2.65. Average new home price in the U.S. was $401,700. Today, the mortgage rate, so again, almost seven, or sorry, almost 6%. Average new home price is 570300 Assuming a 20% down payment, which again, we'll touch on here in a second that you don't necessarily need, that's a 106% increase in the monthly payment from $1,294 to $2,671. That's why homes are so out of reach for vast majority of people right now, because you've literally seen a 100% increase in the monthly payment. And again, going back to my whole um, rampage and, and just driving home this inflation thing, shoot, you're never going to be able to save your way to make that make sense. And I know veterinary medicine is an awesome place right now from an income perspective and demand, but shoot, I don't think anyone's got a 106% increase in their, uh, their monthly <laughs> income over the last couple of years, right? Like that's insane to see that. And what that's going to do is, so you see that rate go that high in the affordability that has to put pressure on the value of the homes. And we haven't seen that change yet, which is why I'm recording this podcast. If a rate goes from three to six, and it makes the the payment that someone has to put down on that so much higher. Something has to correct. Either the rate needs to come down or the value of that home has to correct. And I think the value of the home has to correct alongside of some of the other things. But if you are looking and trying to buy a house at this very moment, and I've just had this conversation with a client recently where they want to move and they want to sell, and they have you know that 3% mortgage rate that they just bought a house not that long ago, it is going to be if not the absolute top, very, very close to the top. And the last time we saw this, again, was back in, you know, leading up to the great financial crisis, the, the housing bubble. And I think we're in the exact same scenario where people are going to be underwater and really stressed for a significant amount of years. And I talked to someone, again, non-veterinary, uh, but he bought a house right before, a couple months before everything fell apart, 2008. And it was 2014 before he was out from being like underwater in that mortgage. Again, he wanted to be there for a longer term. It's been fine. But the idea that housing prices never go down and that this will just keep going up, people are FOMOing in here at the last minute, and now you're starting to see it slow down. And so there is some interesting information from Redfin, and they just put out a, a good piece recently on just their monthly update. And so if I look at that information and look at what Redfin is talking about, Redfin shared that um, the highest share of sellers on record dropped their list price during the four weeks ending June 12th as mortgage rates shot up to levels not seen since 2008. So you're starting to see all of a sudden, hey, there's reductions on these home prices. So we're starting to see that that bubble starting to, to burst a little bit. And on average, 5.6% of homes for sale each week had a price drop, a record high going back as far as the data goes. It goes only goes back to 2015. But in other words, 22.4% of homes for sale during the entire four-week period had a price drop. So you're seeing about a quarter of homes are now starting to reduce what they're asking. Instead of getting over and above the list price, now you're starting to see it come down in price. But then we're also seeing the workforce and housing get cuts. So Redfin cut 8% of employees. Compass cut 10% of the workforce. Um, Wells Fargo cut like 5,000 employees back in um, May. So you're seeing a lot of these different um, company layoffs starting to happen in the mortgage and housing area. And so you have to kind of start to pay attention to this. It's like there's big layoffs coming and you have to not get overly 
ambitious to want to go and pull the trigger. I know it's easy to say, especially if you've been waiting and saving for a long time, but I think you're going to get a really good opportunity here in 12 to 24 months to have a little bit more value for the, the house that you're buying. Cause so many people have stretched themselves already. And if we do see those in other industries, you know, we see a uh, recession, we see layoffs, we see maybe people not getting those bonuses or those things that they were counting on to pay their mortgage. There's going to be four sellers and that sucks. And I don't want that to happen, but I think that's where this is going to all of a sudden you're going to see people that are forced to sell their homes and those prices are going to come down. And you, if you've been in a spot where you, Hey, we've, we've, you know, taken the proper steps to be ready to pull the trigger. We can do that. And I think that's super, super important to try to remind yourself that this is a long-term decision. If you buy the absolute top or near the top, you might have to stay in that house for quite a while. And then, oh, by the way, that price does not reset. And you might be stuck in that mortgage at that higher rate for a long time. And that is going to be a drag and no one wants to be house poor. And I get that homes are really important. There's a reason you want them. I advocate for home ownership if you want it, but do not stretch yourself to try to reach for something that's outside of what's affordable. And again, when you think about affordability, right now, a lot of the, you know, the, the income to payment ratios are as high as they were again, 2007, 2008, and that's getting 30 plus percent at the moment. You want to try to keep your mortgage payment again, net, think about it. 20%, 25 at the kind of the high end, but 20% or less of what your net income is for your mortgage. That's a good goal to have. And right now that might be really difficult, especially if you're in California or somewhere else where it's like, well, that's completely undoable. I understand there's going to be certain areas around the country where it is much harder, but in general, if you're able to do that, you're going to give yourself a lot more wiggle room to be able to do the other things that you want to do as well. So I think patience will be rewarded in this um, period of time. And it's been really, really hard. And I, I, I can feel people getting frustrated in conversations when we've said, try to be patient, try to be patient. Again, my encouragement is just a little bit longer, be patient. You're starting to see things turn over. And if you look at the housing affordability index, it's the lowest level it's been since July, 2007. And if we look at average 30 year mortgage rate hit 6%, um, the highest since 2008. And this is as of two days ago. Uh, so June 18th mortgage rates are up 2.7% in six months. That's the most since 1981 new construction has fallen 14.4% in May mortgage demand lowest since 2001 and the bubble is on the verge if not bursting so again i know dave ramsey just came out with a video the other day talking about how there's just not enough demand and or sorry not enough uh, houses out there and there's too much demand and that home prices will not go down i fundamentally disagree with him it is not just that there are going to be people that are going to be forced sellers because they're not going to be able to afford the mortgage that they stretched and stretched and stretched to get because they're all of a sudden not going to be making the same amount of money that they made so be patient I think there's a really good opportunity coming and soon you can pull the trigger on the homes that you're looking for. So again, my advocation is just be a little bit patient here at the moment and you will be rewarded for that. So don't rush into home ownership. Renting is not necessarily a bad thing. And I know rent is getting out of control as well and going up higher. And I've heard people say, Hey, but my rent's going to be the same as my mortgage. Yes. But the rent is something that is temporary and then that can go away and then you can lock in that mortgage, but the mortgage is going to be something that's going to stick with you, right? Rent, you can change. The mortgage is a lot harder to change into the future. So again, be patient. Um, there'll be a good opportunity and we will talk again soon on the investing front and other things. But again, home's not an investment. It's a lifestyle choice, but it is a great one when you find the right place. Till next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice.
All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.